everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, hey, church, everywhere you're gathered and worshiping today, I'm grateful that you are spending this time with the Lord, allowing the Lord to fashion your life and to shape your life. And We're in Bible Top 5. We're talking about these popular verses. We're going to look at Isaiah 41.10, so I'm going to read around that in Isaiah 41, verses 8 to 16. And as you turn to, to Isaiah 41... As we open the scriptures, we should always open our hearts to the Lord so that the Lord can use these words and speak to us His word, His living word that shapes and forms us. So let's pause and pray. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us by your living and holy word. Reset our minds, reset our thinking, change our lives by the way that you teach us and lead us and guide us and feed us on your holy living word. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd be with us today, speaking to each one your words of grace and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said, Amen. Isaiah 41 at verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I've chosen you, and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them and the wind will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. This is God's Word. We're grateful. The Bible top five, no bad thing. Isaiah 41.10, no bad thing. We're looking at famous verses in the Bible. Most searched, most clicked, most shared. Verses, the Bible top five, those verses that people look for the most and, and share the most and highlight the most in their Bible apps. Those verses that people get tattooed on their skin. In fact, that's what I, I thought about when I started the research. I should just look up what verses get tattooed on people the most. What are people looking for when they look in the Bible? What are they searching for? These popular verses, they're also the most popularly misunderstood. And sometimes it's the misunderstanding that makes them so popular. But the true meaning is even better than the misunderstanding. Today we're looking at Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear 
for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. This is one of the most searched passages in the last couple of years when people went searching in the Bible. Maybe it might not be your favorite verse. You might not have even thought of this one on your list. I think it's the first half of the verse that made it so searched. Like you imagine someone, isn't there some verse in there about don't be afraid, God's with you. People hit on Isaiah 41.10. Oh yeah, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Oh yeah, we need that. That's the verse that we need. Tattoo that on my, you know, well, we need, we need that verse. We need that verse, right? Isaiah 41.10. Does the verse mean that no bad thing will come your way? Does the verse, does the passage tell us that if we follow Jesus, if we get right with God, if we give our lives to the Lord, that no bad thing will come your way? Does it promise us that once we're followers of Jesus, if we give our lives to Jesus, that there will be no suffering, no hardship, no pain, nothing will come your way that's ever hard? Is that what, the, is that what happens when you give your life to Jesus? If, if you were in the room, I could hear you scoffing right now. I could hear all the, <laughs> yep. We're not so naive, are we? As to think that, that to follow Jesus means freedom from hardship or struggle or pain in life. We're not so naive to think that. But I think that's what others think of us sometimes. I think that's what other people look, they look at us, you know, going to church or, or hosting church in our homes or, or worshiping on Sunday morning and they say, well, I think that's what they're doing. I think, I think what they're doing is they're trying to go there, get right with God and get on God's good side so that nothing bad will happen to them. It's a silly superstition. Well, you know what? That would be a silly superstition. But we don't believe that. I do think, though, that sometimes it, it creeps into our hearts. It kind of seeps in to what we think, even as, as Christians. We think, you know, I, I did what Pastor Tim said. I, I, I did what the Bible was telling me to do. I, I followed all the rules that my youth leader put out, you know. And still, I'm getting burned out here. So what's up? This God thing isn't working. God isn't working for me. Does God promise a life with no bad things? No. No. But there is a promise. There is a promise. And it's a promise that we need. Prophet Isaiah speaks in a time when the people of God, they were threatened by the forces in the world rising up Against them. The Babylonian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, they were building up military forces that the Israelites could never hope to match. And so their anxiety about the future was through the roof. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to come. There, was, there were challenges ahead. Hard times were coming. But Isaiah steps into that and makes clear. He says, God is not losing power. God has not been pushed off the stage. The Lord hasn't been pushed to the sidelines. God has a plan and God is capable of accomplishing it. So whenever you're going through that and you're going through a hard time and things are going to get hard, hold on. 
Because God is not losing control or spinning out of control or, or up there wringing his hands in heaven wondering what's going to happen next. God has, has got a plan and he's going to work it through. And if that plan, even if that plan includes hard things, unexpected turns, disappointments, pain, suffering, struggle, even when it includes those things, hang on. Hang on. Because God is going to bring his plan to perfection. God is going to accomplish his purposes and the promises of God are going to bear fruit. Hang on. Hang on. God will bring his plan to the finish line. This is the side of God presented in our passage today. Verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not fear. I will help you. The people felt helpless on the landscape. So I think think verse 14 is pretty funny. Um, Verse 14, do not be afraid, you worm. Jacob, did you catch that when I read it? Like, worm? You know? Little Israel, do not fear. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, the re- your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I think it's funny to me. God sticks with that. In. It's like, do not be afraid, little worm. Ah, thanks. What? You know? It's like you, you're praying and you kind of feel like, Lord, I'm scared. I feel like a, I feel like a worm. I mean, I feel like a, a worm on the sidewalk. I feel like a little insect. Anything could walk along and crush me, God. I feel, please, Lord. I feel, and you expect God to sort of step forward and Oh, honey, no, 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 you're not a worm. No, honey, no, 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 no. But what does God do? He kind of takes a different tack, doesn't he? Yeah, you're kind of a worm, you know? I mean, you're in the big scheme of things, very small. You see? But God says, hang in there. You see, the truth is we are very small. The truth is our lives are very precarious. The truth is that, that we're helpless. So many for, there's so many forces that could come in and end my life right now. This very moment, my life could come to an end like that. There's so many forces out there. We're very small. And we like to pretend that that's not true. But God doesn't pretend that's not true. He kind of says, you know what, you are kind of small, you know. But then he inserts the promise. But I'm your God. And I'm with you. And I'll strengthen you. Yeah, you're small. You're helpless. Anything could come against you. You, you, I'm not going to pretend that you're not helpless and and precarious and, 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 and threatened and small. But I'm the Lord your God. And I'm with you. And I will help you. You're small, but I'm big. So don't be afraid. In fact, God promises your life in my hands. You might feel like a worm who can only make a tiny little little track in the mud, but your life in my hand, I'm going to make you into a plow. I'm going to make you into a plow so big that you could plow down a mountain range. That's what I'm going to do. See, verse 15, see, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to shaft. You think you're small, but your life in my hands, we can change the world. You will winnow them, the wind will pick them up, and a gale will blow them away. 
And you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Yes, you're small. Yes, you're helpless. Your life in my hands, the landscape changes. See, even though we're small, the Lord says, I will help you. Does that mean we'll never face hardships? No. Life is hard. Life is hard. God never promises otherwise. (laughs) Oh, I love the the sunshine days when everything is all together, walking with Jesus, when it feels life, life just feels like me and Jesus walking through that wildflower meadow with the sun on my back and a cool breeze on my face and, and everything's coming together. The economy is soaring and my wife and I have got all the time in the world for each other. And our kids are stepping up and hitting home runs every time they're at the plate. Everything is just great, right? Just great. I love the happy times. But I grow the most in the struggle. We love the easy times, but we grow the most in the hard times. And so is it any wonder that the God who loves you allows hard things to come your way? Some of these hard things God God allows in your life, they're just the product of living in a broken world, and God allows that to touch you, to, to impact you, You know things are not as they should be. Some of these things, God sends a test. You remember, a a test is an opportunity to advance. Like a final exam, you're ready to move on. Some things God allows, some things God sends. Some of these hard things, friends, they're just, they're just the, the natural consequences of my dumb decisions. They're just, this is just what happens when I do me and I, I make those dumb mistakes. And God just allows you to, to learn from that. Like, you touch that stove, it's hot. That, that's your gift out of that experience, right? Some things God allows, some things God sends, some things we do to ourselves, some things, friends, others do to us. But all these things, all these things, God can use to shape you and me more in the likeness of Jesus Christ, His Son. In fact, He, he, he promises to do it. Remember Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, those who have been called according to His purpose. God uses the hard things to shape us. Pastor and author John Piper was really courageous and bold to put a book out almost immediately on coronavirus and Christ. And he suggested seven things God may be doing in the middle of this pandemic. See, God is not dethroned by COVID-19. And God is not pushed to the sidelines. God is at work. So Piper said, I want to I offer seven things God might be doing in the middle of this pandemic. Things like like what? Like things like allowing us to see physically the ravaging effects of sin on the world and the created order. To allow us to see. This isn't how it's supposed to be. To, to uh, allow us to, to experience the damage of our self, selfish and, and sinful choices. That I can see that if I make that decision, it causes that effect. Maybe God's doing something like that. Maybe God's doing something like like awakening the world to a hope for the second coming of Christ. 
a kind of revival spirit. Maybe God is issuing a, a divine thunderclap, just sort of rattling everybody and reminding us of our mortality and the need for a surpassing infinite worth of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Maybe God is calling Christians to brave acts of compassion and service and, 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 and to reveal the, the light of Christ through acts of goodwill. Maybe God is uniting the world, God is uniting the world in a global struggle so that the gospel goes through all of those communications that have been made and the networks that have been made in one global moment. Maybe, maybe. What's God doing? What's God using this for? I was kind of, uh, I was challenged to read John Piper's perspective. But I was kind of encouraged too, right? Because these things are true. When we go through these epidemics and plagues and pandemics, when we look back in the rearview mirror, that's what we see. We see, oh yeah, when that happened, people got serious about God. People, they, they opened their heart to Jesus and the gospel. Things changed. Like they were open. People created networks and they were, they were moving in goodwill and Christians stepped forward and did things heroic and people just did heroic things and the gospel moved and things generally got better after, you see. Not when you're in it, not while you're sipping around in all this pain, and all this, that, but after the effects. What came after? Does Isaiah 41 promise a constantly comfortable life? When the Bible speaks of comfort, is it setting us up for a life with no pain, for a false expectation, a life of no bad thing? No, suffering will certainly be a part of life and a part of life with God. But suffering in God's hands becomes an instrument to shape us, a megaphone to awaken us when we fall asleep, a prod to move us forward a chisel to hammer away the extraneous material that's been holding us back and to shape us more into the likeness of Jesus, his son. Proverbs 17.3 says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests the heart. The crucible for silver the silver goes into the, goes into the crucible, you see. And then you set it in the fire. And the fire burns all around it, heats it up. You know, you kids that are, that are worshiping out there, make that fire noise with me, you know? The silver, you're childlike at heart. You guys can join in too, right? All that heat, all that fire, the silver starts to melt. It starts to bubble. And the impurities that are in that, that precious metal, they rise to the top. The fire does that. The heat does that. And all these impurities that were in there that you couldn't see, they rise to the surface of the metal. And the silversmith, the silversmith pushes that stuff out of the way, clears it out, and the metal cools comes back into shape, refined. 
the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold. What about you and I? The Lord tests the heart. So what's worse than going through the fires? Worse than going through the the fires is going through the fires without the shaping, purifying, refining hand of the Lord, reaching in and and pulling those impurities out. Imagine going through all that heat, all that that searing fire, all that flame. You're going through all of this, and and you're, you're melting under the pressure and the heat, and your impurities are rising to the top. And then imagine that that you just start to cool, and all those impurities, they just sip, they just settle right back down into your soul. That's worse than going through the fire in the first place, is going through the fire and not being changed. My prayer for this time is that I would not go through the fire and come out the other side the same man that I was going in. Lord, please, please change me. Don't let me come out of this the same man that I was going in. Please, Lord, change me. Please, Lord, change my church. Don't let my church come out the same. Don't let my city come out the same. Don't let my nation come out the same, Lord. When we're going through this fire, Lord, refine us. Shape us. Free us from the impurities that bog us down and make us more ready to shine like Christ. Don't let me pass through the fire and come out the same. Listen. Isaiah 41.10 is not a promise of no bad thing. But it is a promise. So do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Oh, it's a promise. Do not fear. I'm with you. Friends, our lives, our decisions, the things that we do, we're not fear-based. We're not making our decisions fear-based. We're faith-based because the Lord is with us. Do not fear. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. That's about hope. Don't allow hopelessness to set in. Don't let that dark cloud settle over you. Don't be dismayed. Push back those dark clouds. Why? Why? Because I am the Lord your God. You may feel as helpless as an insect, as helpless as a worm, but I'm your God, and I'm with you, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to carry you through this. So don't you turn your head down. You keep your head high. Don't be dismayed. I will strengthen you and help you, it says. Friends, you know, God never pushes you into a trial and, and lets you go. Like, good luck. God says, I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'll strengthen you. I'm right there. I'll be in you. Your life in my hands, forget it. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, who is the right hand of God? It's Jesus. 
Isaiah 59, it says, he saw that there was no one, he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So what did God do? So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. Who's the righteous right hand? It's Jesus. It's God reaching out as Jesus Christ and bringing salvation into the world. It's God saving under his own power, under his own righteous right hand. Who sustains your life? Who holds your life? Who grabs onto your life? Whose grip is holding onto you when your grip is letting go? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He sustains your life. Oh, Isaiah doesn't promise no bad thing. But he does promise the Lord. And that's better. What's worse than suffering? Suffering with no purpose. What's worse than going through the fires? It's going through the fires and not being changed, not being refined by the Lord. Jesus has been through the fires. He's been through a crucible with more heat than you'd ever know. He's been through more pain, more pressure than you'll ever experience. And Jesus, he'll walk with you. He'll be present to you. By my own righteous right hand, I will hold you. Do you want peace in the middle of all of this mess, in the middle of all this fire? Are you looking for peace? Jesus is the righteous right hand of God. And you know, righteousness and and peace, they kiss. Are you looking for peace? Psalms 85.10 says, righteousness and peace, they kiss each other. Peace is not found in, in our false comforts and temporarily numbing vices that we run to in our moments of discomfort. Peace is found in the righteousness won for you by Jesus Christ on the cross. By his righteous right hand, he reaches in and he grabs your life and he gives you peace. In the middle of the fire, he holds on to you. In the middle of the storm, he holds you strong. He'll never leave you, forsake you, or let you go. walking through the fires he'll be with you hold on to him Jesus is holding on to you and when you come through the other side you're going to look a little bit more like him Lord Jesus may it be so not a tear falls from my eye without your purpose. Lord, that not a blow comes home to my life, to our lives, that doesn't have a shaping power, that you don't use Jesus to to shape our lives more into your likeness, that there's no flame in our lives, Lord, that doesn't bring us through a refining and a purifying into the peace of the righteousness that you want on the cross. May it be so, Lord, that we know that you never leave us, that we know that you've always got us, that we don't be dismayed, we don't descend into hopelessness, we lift our heads, we're not fear-based, we're faith-based, and we walk with you straight through this fire. 
Lord, when we come out the other side, don't let us come out the other side the same. Shape us to look like your son, Jesus, to shine his glory. May it be so. In Jesus' name. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.